everybody. You're listening to a special episode of The Decision Hour. I am your host, one of your hosts, Patty Catter, and today I am interviewing my co-host, Adam Bird. Adam, how are you doing today? Patty, I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so roles are a little reversed today, and I, I get to question you, and I get to be in charge. I'm in the hot seat. Wow. Okay, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, all of a if sudden, I'm a little... Crack the whip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little little nervous. little nervous. Did you just say crack the whip? Yeah, do you have a sound effect I, for I, that? I did, don't. Not yet. I ordered a new sound effect thing that we're going to be using here, hopefully, in the next two weeks, so I'm really excited about it. Me too now. All right. So Adam. Yes. Today we're going to take some time to interview you um, because people want to know about you. Um, <laughs> okay. They want to know who they're listening to and we're going to go there. Okay. Right. Well, let's go there. Let's go. All right. So first of all, Adam, you were born in what city and state? I was born in a relatively small town called Menominee. Wisconsin. It is in the kind of mid to north west side of the state. So for those of you that are listening that are like looking on a map or decide like where's Menominee, Wisconsin, there's a Menominee Falls and a Menominee. And Menominee is about an hour, hour, 20 minutes directly east of Minneapolis, Minnesota. For you ladies that are wondering where that's at, Minneapolis is where the Mall of America is. <laughs> I'm about I'm about an hour. I grew up about an hour and twenty minutes east of the Mall of America. Okay, so can you just tell us a little bit about your childhood, kind of growing up? What are some of your favorite experiences? Um, from what I remember, like one of the like I've always considered Wisconsin home uh, for me, and you know I lived in Arizona for twenty five years. Um, you know, I've been back and forth. I'm kind of a, like a nomad now. I'm, I spend a lot of time out in the East Coast. I still go back to Arizona. And then I obviously go go home uh, to Wisconsin a couple times a year as well. Um, you know, growing up, my I, I guess you'd say my safe space or the place I felt safest is my grandparents' house. My grandparents have this little farmhouse. They used to farm. They don't anymore. They haven't for a very long time. Um but they still have some acreage there and like some of the old farm buildings that have you know fallen or some of the structures are still there. But that's kind of where I, I did a lot of my uh, growing up is, is there. We lived, um, me and my mom and my sister, <clears throat> before she, she married my dad now, is uh, we kind of lived in town. But like my fondest memories are probably at my grandparents' house. Mm -hmm. So I bet you were a handful as a kid, huh? Um, I was, uh, no, I mean, I was, I was pretty, pretty laid back. I mean, it was, you know, I, I was fortunate enough. I grew up hunting and fishing. So like I'd go to school and then I'd come home and I could grab my fishing pole and go, you know, either to the pond or the lake, wherever we were living at the time, uh, and, and go fish, you know? And then when hunting season rolled around, it, I wasn't old enough to hunt, but I'd always go on the hunts and, uh, and whatnot. So it was, it was pretty, pretty cool. I was, I was, I did a lot of outdoor stuff and I was heavy into sports and baseball was, was probably my number one sport at that time. Uh, and then around fourth, fifth grade, I got into basketball and, and played a lot of football. So I was an athlete growing up. 
Wow, that's pretty neat. Um, so I can kind of picture you outside in Little House on the Prairie. It's kind of a thing here Actually, going on. So true, true story. Laura Ingalls Wilder from the Little House on the Prairie is from that area. Um, wow. And her original house that she, once she was an adult is still there. So they actually have a park there not far from where we grew up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. See? I had no idea about that. That's really neat. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so you grew up pretty simple then. It sounds like you had a simple life. Everything sounded like it was, you know, do you describe yourself as having a good childhood, good, good memories at your grandparents' house? Um, I, definitely at the grandparents' house uh, and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was, it was different. You know, my mom, it was me and my mom for a little bit. My mom had me when she was in college and then, um, uh, she got married and her first husband, uh, adopted me and then I took his last name. Um, and they were married for several years, had my sister and then, uh, I guess me and my sister were close growing up. You wouldn't probably think so much now, <laughs> but, but I, uh, I I say that jokingly because she'll she'll probably listen. I love you, sissy. Um, but uh, and then uh, they you know got divorced, and then my mom uh, married. I guess he's technically my step to me. He's dad, you know, I, I love love him to death, and they've been married. Oh god, almost thirty years. Wow, uh, and whatnot, and they got my little brother. So it it's been a unique, you know. Um, I, I just I say normal because what is normal really? You know, do we had some hardships? Yeah, we had some hard times growing up, and definitely uh, lessons learned. But I think you go through those experiences, and they make you are the person that you are today, or they help mold who you are today. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and I think that hardships, you know, they they can definitely make you stronger. So, a lot of people who are listening, they understand that you were in the military. Mm-hmm. So. When was that point in your life that you decided that you were interested in the military, joining the military? Um, you know, I, I got a glimpse of it. Uh, I think it was 1989, 1990. We drove to West Point, New York. And I was, you know, my, my uncle, uh, Chris... Uh, or Louie, my uncle Louie, we, uh, he played for the army baseball team and we went out for his graduation. And that was, that was pretty cool kind of seeing how all of that, um, kind of transcribed and it got me kind of interested in it. And then, you know, this was long before high school for me. So once I got into high school, it kind of, I did a 180 and it wasn't, I was kind of like anti-military, not anti-military. I'm not going to join the military. You know, it was kind of rebellion. But I uh, would go play these pickup games. My junior senior year, I played these pickup games at a middle school down at the time. We were living in Tucson, Arizona, and there was an Army uh, National Guard recruiter uh, that I came pretty good friends with. We, we we always ended up on the same team for like two years. We were friends playing pickup games like every, I think it was like every Wednesday night or every Thursday night or something. And eventually he didn't even recruit me really. It was just kind of like, I went to him eventually. I was, uh, my first year of college. Um, I had gotten a scholarship, uh, at the local community college. And I realized that I was running out of money fast for 
school. So I was like, oh, get paid. And I started looking into it. So I, I called him up or one night we were playing ball and I said, hey, I said, you, you, you're doing the recruiting thing still, right? And he said, yeah, what's up? And I was like, talk to me about it. He's like, you serious? And I was like, yeah. So we talked about it and it kind of gradually transcribed into into that. And um, that was, let's see, I left for basic training in, or I, I joined, I swore in Friday the 13th. It was February, <laughs> it was February, Friday the 13th, 1998. And I left the day after Easter that year to go to basic training. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So tell us about your experience as far as boot camp. Let's start there. Uh, boot camp was was different. I'd never been really away from like family, so it was definitely eye-opening for me. Uh 20 years old, never been away from uh, far enough away from people where I wasn't like a few hours drive. Like this was like at least a day or two drive. Um I went to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Um really really humid uh but it, it wasn't bad from what i remember about basic you know it was it was uh it was it was pretty cool like, like looking back on it you're like I, cool I, I i made it through it it was at the time i was going through kind of a stage in my life where you know the last couple of years of high school were rough for me I, I didn't make the basketball team um you know my grades started slipping really bad how i even got into college is, is to this day is, is kind of a, uh, miracle, I guess. Um, but you know, my, my experience with the military and, and learning the team unity, it, I, I kind of get that sense of purpose. It built my confidence up. And, and to this day, I think that's a big part of why I am who I am now is, is because of that experience. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's been in the military or part of the military family knows that really that's what it is, is family. It becomes, um, kind of embedded in your blood somehow, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, after you were in boot camp, what were your next steps? You know, you go uh, to college. So I went, went, you, went to boot camp, about? did the, uh, you know, the AIT. I was, a, I went to truck driving school, uh, just because it was like the fastest one. And at the time I had, was dating my high school sweetheart and we had plans to moving somewhere. So it was kind of like trying to plan this whole big thing. Um, here's a funny story though, real quick is, is the, my drill sergeant in AIT, I ran into her three years ago and we re, she remembered who I was and what was really cool. I ran into her in DC at, at an army event and she was a sergeant major now or she's getting ready to retire, Ooh. but that was pretty cool. You know, 20, almost 20 years later it was 19 at the time i saw it was 19 years later but um after after i got back from uh from boot camp and all that other stuff i um i didn't go to college i i was like all right i'm gonna work while you know my my high school sweetheart at the time she went to school and then once she graduated then i would go back well once she graduated it was like all right i don't need him anymore it was like you know the uh, opposite direction so it, it uh which was which was fine it was good um i, I did some odds and end jobs um I get, you know as a personal trainer for a while i, I worked a lot with kids I, I coached uh uh i coached basketball for a couple of years uh junior high uh kids uh umpired referees kind of a lot of odds and end jobs while i was doing like my weekend drills and, and whatnot with the guard um 
And then eventually I landed at a uh, for-profit university. Uh, and I worked there for mm, about five years, five, six years, uh, until they had their big layoff. And those of you that are, that are listening probably know who I'm talking about. But it was a good experience. It was in their military division. I moved up rather quickly. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then I, I stopped doing that, got into radio a little bit, <clears throat> dib-dabbed around with that while I was working some other jobs. And eventually, in, in I think it was April 1st of 2013, I kind of uh, quit the corporate side of things and went full-time into being self-employed. So to me, that's sort of funny because you've got Friday the 13th, you joined boot camp. You went to boot camp, right? <laughs> yeah. And then April 1st, on April Fool's Day, yeah. you started so, it, so, it was funny. so it was funny because like when, I, when I left, and I, I, it, at first it wasn't intentional, but then I was just like, I'm tired of these guys messing with me. I'm, you know, the manager at the time was, he'd call me into his office. I was, everybody at this last job, and I won't say the company, but it's a very good company, but I'm, I'm not going to self-promote them or anything like that, but... They, um, they knew who I was when they hired me and they knew I was kind of a big deal at the previous job. So my manager was all stoked. So he would pull me aside and ask me a bunch of questions and, and this and that. And then the very next day he would hold the team meeting and then go over everything that I went over with him the day before. And at first it didn't bother me, but after like the third or fourth month doing it, I was just like, you know what? Screw this guy. I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm not getting paid it like I'm this guy's I'm giving I'm doing his job basically and um so finally I kind of started rebelling I hate to admit that but I you know I, I basically got away with I did whatever I wanted I'd come in late I'd leave early and nobody really kind of left me alone until finally they're like hey you, you know you're you're missing hours and this this and this and I was like yeah and I'm you know out of 250 you know people in this division you know, I'm, I'm consistently in the top three every single month. And I, I work half the time and do more of the work. So back off. And it was just like, I was getting really frustrated and, and whatnot. So finally I was just like, you know, I'm going to go in on April fools and I'm going to quit. I've never quit a job in my life. I've never quit a job in my life. April 1st, I walk in <clears throat> late and they're like, hey, man, what's up? I was like, hey. I start cleaning out my my desk. And they're like, what's going on? I was, they think I'm, I'm playing, right? So I'm like cleaning everything out. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it's been real. I quit. And I walk out. And they're like, they're laughing. They're like, dude, that's the best one, bird, blah, 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 right? I walk out. 20 minutes later, I get a phone call. As I'm driving home, I get a phone call. And it's my manager. And he's like, hey, man, where'd you go? And I was like, I told you I quit. And everybody's like, he's like, you could hear a pin drop. It got silent. He's like, no, seriously, where are you? And I was like, I quit. And he was just like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, we thought it was an April Fool's joke. And I was like, well, the joke's on you. I quit. And I hung up the phone. And oh. and that was and that, and that was it. And uh, I never looked back. You know, I, I, I've been somewhat self-employed in, in some form or fashion uh, since. And I think that while we're talking about keeping it simple and, you know, keeping it simple, sweet, and um, you set boundaries for sure on that one, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like one of those where, you know, I, I had a, a business with 
uh, a, a good friend at the time. And, uh, you know, unfortunately after three years, we shut that business down. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and that, and then I founded uh, heroes media group in 2016, technically. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. It's been, it's, it's been, you know, it, it it's has its ups and downs and you like keeping it simple. It gave me, it, it all started because it all started because of my son. Like everything I do in my life is, is because of my son, Chris. And, and I've, I've said this in past shows and I'll, I'll, I'll say this until he, you know, graduates college. If that's something that he decides, and he doesn't have a choice, he's got to, um, he, I've been a single dad, um, for 14 years. My, my son is, is just turned 15 this past January. Um, and like everything in my life, like I, I got tired of, of doing like the nine to five or the nine to seven, uh, you know, jobs and having somebody else raise my, my kid when he was young and drop him off at daycare at six o'clock in the morning. By the time I picked him up, it was six o'clock at night. You know, he's got to be in bed by, you know, eight, eight thirty. So I didn't, I didn't get any time with him. By the time you get home, it's like feed him, bathe them, put them to bed. There's no time there, you know, and you might have the weekends, but by the weekends I was doing odds and end jobs to make money because, you know, I had a car payment, I had a house payment, you know, had to pay insurance and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I, I never, I never took time for myself. Like I saved all my sick days and all my vacation time for him. So when he was sick and stuff, um, so everything that I, I did was and do even today is, is for him and to, to have opportunities so he can have opportunities when he gets older. And one of the things was by the time I said to myself, when my son gets into junior high, sixth, seventh and eighth grade, I want to be able, I'm not going to ask somebody, Hey, can I leave work early today to go see my son's football game? Like, I don't, I don't care about you, your jobs or your dreams or anything like that. Nothing's more important than my kid. So to me, that was, the driving force behind it. I was like, I don't care if I lose the house. I, I was willing to lose the house, the car, my clothes. I was I was willing to lose everything as long as I was able to see my son play sports and do the things, do the extra things that he wanted to do. And was it tough? Yeah, it it was devastating at times. You know, today, even today, this this past year first time uh he got accepted into a high school that is a college prep school and he's living with his grandparents right now and I, with the traveling that i do i've missed out on some of the games and whatnot now they, they facetime me during the games and keep me updated and stuff and i i get to go to a lot of the games i'm very fortunate to to do what we do because we're helping people and uh but at the same time i get to see what he's doing and and him and i have a goal that by the time he hits his junior senior year i'm back there for the seasons to, to watch and not miss anything. And, um, it's, it's been working out, but I think the, the single most hardest thing I've ever done in my life is, is be a parent with that said, I think the single most rewarding thing I've ever had in my life is being a a parent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I can see that and agree with that. And, Every time that we have conversation, it seems like you're talking about your son, some, you know, in whichever capacity, either what he's up to in school, what he's been, you know, doing, you're really involved with him. And, um, 
was was he born while you were still in the military or yeah. were you out? So, yeah. So uh, he was born uh, January 29th of 2003. Mm-hmm. And it was like 10 days later, I was in a convoy to uh, Fort Bliss, El Paso to for, for deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we spent X amount of time in, in El Paso. Uh, and I think it was like weeks. He was six weeks old. I got a Red Cross letter. And I'll never forget this day. We were um, on a on a bus driving to McGregor Range or from McGregor Range, and the commander said, "Bird, you need to get on a plane tonight, and you got to head back home. Your son's in the hospital." And like, my he's six weeks old. I'm just like, "What the, the hell's going on?" Like, nobody told me anything. That was that was it. And I was already kind of getting my mindset like, you know, we're going to war. I'm 25 years old. You know, you got all this testosterone. You're like, you know, <laughs> typical yeah. guy. And so I get home and I get off the plane, I get to the hospital and like my dad, my, you know, my parents are there, you know, uh, I was married at the time. So my wife at the time was there and I, I just grabbed my son and the doctor's like, everything's going to be okay. And I remember grabbing the doctor by this collar and I said, if anything ever happens to my son, I was like, it's going to be on your shoulders and, and you will pay. And like my dad's like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? Like, you can't say that stuff. And like, I... And then I don't remember uh, what happened afterwards. I, I I'm told that uh, you know I paced back and forth, and I was you know I my dad took me outside a couple of times because I was just being irate because I I didn't know what was going on and I was scared. And a, and a young father, I mean, 25 yeah. years old, that's young. Yeah, and and uh, eventually, I guess what happened was they brought my son out, or they said you can go back and see him, and like everybody got up to move, and I said everybody sit down. I was like nobody's going. And then I, w- I walked back there myself. And I guess I was back there for like 30 minutes by myself until finally somebody came back and says, hey, everybody else would like to see him now too. And I was like, all right. And and then the next morning I got back on a plane and I didn't wow. see them for eight months. So that was, yeah. <laughs> wow. So you deployed right after. Deployed right after that, shortly after that. Um, uh, I spent some time in Iraq and then um, I came home. Uh, and you know, everything after that kind of dwindled as far as the marriage went and got divorced and became a single parent. Didn't have time to transition, which a lot of guys, uh, don't know. And, and I, I kind of ignored the signs and everything like that. I thought I was, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, so I went kind of like from the battlefield to being a dad you know, battlefield courtroom to being a dad. And, and, uh, so that was, that was, there was, there were some years there. I would say in my, my thirties, I I tell everybody that my thirties were kind of the gloomy years and, and up until like the last probably year and a half, two years of my thirties is when things started going on. I just, I just turned 40 this year. Um, but I still act like I'm 25 sometimes. So yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta stop hitting the desk there. Sorry about that, but yeah, it's like <laughs> well, it's true though. No, no. no. Um, wow. So your son does he know what post traumatic stress is now that? Oh yeah, like you know like is. my Chris is he's such a smart kid and he's he's so mature for his age and, and a lot of people that meet him say your son's the most respectful kid I've ever. I've ever met at a kid that age. And when you tell him that he's like, yeah, have you met my dad? You know what I mean? And it's, it's like, 
It's uh, I. In fact, my family used to give me a hard time about this because I was so hard on him growing up, and was like, you, like, listen, he's not one of your, you know, he's not a private, he's not this, he's not that, and it was just like, no. But everybody compliments him on how good he is. It's because of the way I've raised him. Let's not, you know, I, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but I think if I've done anything right in this lifetime, I'd like to think that it was was him. Well, I kind of think that this is a really good point to, or place to start wrapping it up. I mean, you just said that all so well, and um, I might, yeah, might have done this once or twice. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, mean, I think I think um, you know for and it's not something. I mean, I've I've shared some of those stories before and and whatnot, and I think you know for me. I'll say this moving forward uh it, it you know my, my son I always you know put him right you know our faith and 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 God and, and whatnot and I'm not ashamed to to say that we you know we grew up going to church and something I, I raised him on um and then and then it's us and then and, and and that's first and foremost and then the other thing is purpose and the purpose for for me is to work with people like you patty and and Rob and other people at, at you know Heroes Media Group, and we want you know help other people achieve the goals that they want to achieve, live their dreams, or maybe they're just kind of down and out on their luck, and, and we can be there. Whether it's we can find them a resource that we can help them with, or even if it's just uh, a lending ear where they can just need somebody to talk to, we can listen. So that's for me. I think the biggest thing is I just want to help as many people as we can. Which is different than any other network that I've seen, um, let alone working with specific heroes such as military, law enforcement, you know, firefighters, um, teachers. Um, not only are you a fantastic company and uh, like you're a great leader, um, but the company Heroes Media Group is amazing, and it would not be as amazing if somebody like you weren't, you know. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. So what are the questions you have for me? Well, let's see. You know, talking along the lines of religion, mm -hmm. I remember one time you told me you are, you're an ordained preacher, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's not, listen, it's not one of those like, did I go to school for it? No, it was, I got asked to do a wedding and they're like, are you are you an ordained minister? What? It was like one of those things that you take online, really. Quite honestly, it's nothing to brag about. It's like one of those like, boom, and then like go. You know, did I do the wedding? I ended up not doing the wedding. They they didn't. They ended up not getting married. Uh, I did do a baptism once. That was actually uh, probably one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. It, it was very. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I can't even describe it. Words can't. It was just like. Even just talking about it right now, just kind of like, ooh, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's it's cool, I, I you know, it, it it's cool, but that's definitely not something I like. I don't put that on my resume or or on my LinkedIn profiles or anything like that. So not very many people know that, hmm. except now for everybody do. that's listening to this now, now they do. <laughs> or reading Surprise. the book. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else that you want to add no, about I, yourself? No, I, I'm just, I'm just a, a regular guy that's just trying to, uh, 
do good things in the world. That's all. Well, I think you're doing a really good job and I'm proud to call you friend. Well, so thank you very much. Um, so I take it this is the end of the interview. This is the end. Well, that that said, <laughs> uh, I want to thank you all for, for listening to uh, this episode of the Decision Hour. And uh, before we let you go, we, we have to uh, give some thanks here. And uh, first off, I want to thank Patty for, for asking the, uh, the questions uh, because it's always kind of different being on the other side of the the mic getting asked the questions as opposed to asking the questions um but first and foremost you know we talked about heroes media group and we want to give them a big uh shout out all the shows and there's a lot of shows that are just joining we had four new shows in the last couple weeks that are joining the network here in the next month or two and we're super excited about that so to learn more uh, about heroes media group or how you can become part of the hmg family go to www.heroesmediagroup.com um we got some other great organizations that we're working with right now. Uh, Frag Out Clothing Company, our buddy Nick, who isn't far uh, from me, just north of Philadelphia because I'm out in the East Coast uh, today. But uh, Frag Out Clothing Company is a veteran-owned uh, apparel line, and Nick makes uh, they make some really cool T-shirts. Check them out, fragoutcc.com. Uh, Kota Longboards is another one. That's K-O-T-A longboards.com. All right, real quick. <laughs> I went and, and and me and Patty when we do these 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 audio interviews and whatnot and we're talking to each other we see each other uh, on the computer I have the 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 longboard behind me sitting behind me in my office I went and tried it out yesterday I thought I was gonna kill myself like I had to t- I text pictures to to Mike Coda uh, Mike from Coda Longboards who who is the founder of this awesome organization and uh, these boards are so awesome and. I, I felt like a kid yesterday uh, trying it out. Almost fell, um, so I got to get used to it. He was giving me pointers on how to how to ride it again. But Coda Longboards, check them out. It's uh, CodaLongboards.com. Um, if you like coffee and tea, you know there's a lot of great veteran-owned coffee companies out there. We're pretty fond of Rick's Roasters. Uh, Sean Rick's is a uh, retired uh, Navy captain who has been roasting coffee for many years and he is franchising the, these companies out <clears throat> excuse me he ricksroasters.com makes the heroes media group blend and if you haven't tried it you know we're pretty fond of it uh it must be pretty good because that particular blend the H, uh heroes united is what it's called so if you go to ricksroasters.com look for heroes united that's actually what they serve in the white house galley so uh, we're pretty proud of that. We also have a new tea that's out. It's a black tea mixed with uh, peppermint. It's really, really good, both hot and cold. And that tea is called R&R Tea. You can find both of those at ricksroasters.com. Um, also, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to see a video here. We've been doing some meat stick giveaways. And uh, and Patty's smiling right now. Uh, we'll be doing some uh, meat stick giveaways here again really soon from Primal Urge Foods. Go to primalurgefoods.com. And as always, I got to give a shout out to our man, uh, Dave Bray, for the music um, that he provides at the end of the show. Go to davebrayusa.com. He's got a new album out called Music on a Mission. You can get it on iTunes, uh, a lot of other places. But if you go to davebrayusa.com, you can definitely get uh, it right there. So, did I miss anybody, Patty? I think that's everybody. 
I think that's it. All right. So, so that's everybody. So for Patty, I'm Adam. We appreciate you all. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to The Decision Hour.